you, you must be living on an island somewhere with uh, without any internet if you haven't heard of ChatGPT, I would think. Is this a story? Well, turns out ChatGPT is very good at spotting stories. I would yeah. almost give it a provisional 8 out of 10. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, use of use of mystery stories to uh, help uh, retention and engagement. As she re- you know checked it out, she realized ChatGPT was just making stuff up. Oh, right. ChatGPT is like winging it. It's like yeah. this ad hoc, um, I don't know, improv machine in some ways. Yeah, you read the article in the Sydney Morning Herald from two weeks ago, didn't you? And Michelle said, "Yeah." And he goes, "It's complete fabrication." can be used or you know, kind of generate uh, falsehoods. Yeah, at scale. As a thermonuclear uh, device for misinformation. Okay, we should get on to our story. And she says, hi there, I'm Fiona Wood. I'm a surgeon. So is my husband. And we have six children. So you need to understand, unless you're prepared to have six children, you're not going to be able to consider a career in surgery. <laughs> and apparently, yeah, a whole bunch of people were harumphing, and some people started to walk out. And she said, and then really? she stopped them. Yeah. And then she stopped <laughs> them and said, hang on. Last week, two people stood here and said that uh, if you're a female, you shouldn't consider a career in surgery if you if you want to have a family because it's just not suited. And so I'm here standing in front of you saying, I got six kids. I'm a surgeon. My husband's a surgeon. And yet you don't believe me. Welcome to Anecdotally Speaking, a podcast to help you build your business story repertoire. Hi, everyone. I'm Sean Callahan, And hey, everybody. I'm Mark Shank. Now, one of the things that Mark and I have been very interested in recently is ChatGPT. You've probably heard of it. It's been I interesting, isn't it, Mark? It, you, know? you, you, you must be living on an island somewhere with uh, without any internet if you haven't heard of ChatGPT, I would think. Yes. Yeah. Um, one of the first things that popped into our mind you might be aware that we have a website called thestorytest.com and it just shows you 10 things some are stories some are not and you get to um, decide see if you're a good story spotter i took all those things and put them through chat gpt and just asked the question is this a story well turns out chat gpt is very good at spotting stories can tell a story from a non-story Probably as good as most people who do the test, and we've had thousands of people do that test. What was its but score out of 10? It got 7 out of 10, and but there's at least one story in there that it said it was a story. We said it's not. And when I look at it again, I can sort of see why it's a t- yep. I would yep. almost give it a provisional 8 out of 10. Yeah. Right. Yep. So it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Absolutely. Yep. So... Um, so that was that was one of the first things we did, didn't we, Mark? And then yeah. I said it, it goes from there. Um, what have you discovered in your sort of experiments and 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 playing around with that? Technology? Well, I'm I'm doing a couple of um, things. I'm giving a conference talk in San Diego in May on the the 23rd of May or something like that, um, and the topic is around uh, use of use of mystery stories to uh, help uh, retention and engagement uh, in, in you know, when you're teaching stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I've actually asked ChatGPT for a couple of, of stories illustrating how mystery stories can be used. And um, 
it came up with a couple of very good fictional stories and uh but i was very uncomfortable using because you know we the use of we're proponents stories. of uh non-fiction yeah, you, aren't we yeah um and so it's it's pretty good at generating fictional stories yeah. uh and one of our uh, uh we had a, a call just a few hours ago with uh, a group that's just been through our storytelling for leaders program and one of the participants was saying that she's been using chat gpt to generate stories on topics that she's talking on like she might be talking to a team about x she puts it in the chat gpt and blah 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 and uh and i said oh yeah i tried that a couple of times but i noticed that the, the most of the stories that come back are fictional and uh and she went oh yeah yeah and so <laughs> i think yeah. there's i think it could be even more complex in the sense that uh Sindon, our colleague Sindon, uh she was looking at, she was testing it around stories about people she knew you know famous people so she put in uh Yvonne Gulagong she said tell me a story and it told this really cool story and she read it went, but then as she re you know checked it out she realized chat gpt was just making stuff up oh right so oh. it's not a it's not a um you know, it's not like a, an encyclopedia or, or, you know, something where someone has, you know, done some work to actually decide whether the facts are right or not. ChatGPT is like winging it. It's like yeah. this ad hoc, um, I don't know, improv machine in some ways. Yeah. So now I have I have asked it for real examples. Yes. Uh, and I've. And I haven't used any of the real examples that it's given me right. because I'm not I'm not, not confident comfortable with their veracity. You know, are they true or not? And yeah. and look, I had something happen just last night that's uh, that's relevant to this topic. Um, so I live on the south coast of New South Wales. We've got a local media outlet called The Beagle, and the editor Leigh Parker lives just down the road. And my, my partner Michelle and I were walking down the road uh, last night, and we bumped into Leigh walking his two little Jack Russell Terriers. And we had a chat. And during the chat, Michelle said, oh, one of the interesting things about Churros Head, which is where we live, is that it's it was it was a single property until 1960. And only then did Hector McWilliam subdivide it and create what? And, and Leigh Parker said, yeah, you read the article in the Sydney Morning Herald from two weeks ago, didn't you? And Michelle said, yeah. And he goes, it's complete fabrication. And uh, he'd written, he said, you've got to read the Beagle. Uh, I wrote a long piece about this. And, and what had happened was that a journalist was writing a piece about Mel Gibson and his grandmother, Eva Mylott, who was a famous opera singer who lived in the area. And he did this little piece on... Anyway, so um, uh, Leigh Parker tried to kind of uh, um, reverse engineer what might have happened. And he asked ChatGPT, and ChatGPT came back with almost verbatim what had been oh, really? written. Um, wow. And then he went looking for how could ChatGPT have come up with that? Uh, and so there was, there was the Sydney Morning Herald article, but he also found a, a, something that was written several years ago on a, you know, like an, a comment on an obscure travel website, which was complete fabrication. Right? It's just, com there's no shred of truth in it. And uh so it just goes, what is, what's happened is that Michelle's walking down the street talking to people and saying, oh, isn't it interesting that it was subdivided in 1960? And it's just, so that falsehood becomes truth eventually. 
yeah. if it's not caught. Yeah. So, so one of the, the risks of ChatGP is it perpetual, you know, it potentially um, can be used or you know, kind of generate uh, falsehoods. Yeah, at scale. At scale. That's yeah. the other thing, right? That's the yeah. thing that is a real concern in some ways. I mean, yeah, I think so it's a fabulous tool. I think it just allows you to yeah. do so many things, but it has that yeah you've that got downside. You've got to be careful. So Sam Harris, the the American uh, intellectual, uh, public intellectual, uh, uh, listened to his podcast and he was talking about ChatGPT and he describes it as a, as a thermonuclear uh, device for misinformation in that if you want <laughs> to put a particular point of view forward, yeah. you can kind of type into ChatGPT and sort of regenerate the response 50 times. And within just a few seconds, you can have 50 different ways of, of communicating the wrong, you know, like your particular perspective and push it out into the world. Yeah. And it, it just, you know, as he says, it's, a, it's an explosion of misinformation that it can create. Wow. What a world we're moving into. Mm. Eh? Anyway, I guess a great tool. Use it with discretion. With, and care. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we should get on to our story. This is All what right. our listeners want to hear. Um, I believe you've got one for us, Mark. You betcha. You betcha. Um, uh, Fiona Wood is a, uh, a, a surgeon. She specialises in burns, and she came to prominence back in, in the early 2000s after the Bali bombings where... Mm. Uh, hundreds of people were killed and, and and hundreds more were horribly burned and a whole bunch of them ended up in Perth Hospital where she was leading the burns department. And she invented uh, spray-on skin, right, which is a, 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 revol a revolution in burns treatment and uh, she used that technology to treat people. She became Australian of the Year, I think, in 2005 and she was voted the most trusted Australian several years in a row. So, yeah, pretty awesome person. And and um, we used her quote around collaboration uh, a, a lot uh, because she talked about how when she invented spray on skin, it wasn't just her. There was a whole bunch of people, like many, many people in many, many disciplines who were doing exciting things. And she's going, I'm just out there looking and talking to people and they had a piece that could help me and I had a piece that could help them. And it was, you know, it was only because of that collaboration that spray on skin was, was even happened, uh, even happened, right? Wow. Because we shared stuff. Yeah. Yep. Um, anyway, but this isn't about that. Um, so she's a surgeon, and uh, one of her sons, uh, uh, his partner, and we're going to call his partner Mary. All right. Uh, I don't know her real name. Um, <laughs> but uh, so Fiona Wood was interviewed uh, just a, a, a month ago, uh, International Women's Day 2023, and asked about various issues around gender bias in the in the the. the, the medical and in particular the surgical arena and she talked about how a few years ago her son and his partner mary had come over and mary is a medical student so she was con considering going into surgery and so she was um, a member of a surgical interest group uh, at the university and so they did you know, a whole bunch of different things including getting guest speakers in all right when mary come came over this time she was very very upset because um, two surgeons had come and spoken to her or to her, the interest group, uh, one male, one female uh, speakers. And they'd said, if you're a female and you're considering a career in, in surgery, you need to really think carefully about this because if you want a family, this is not the career for you. 
right? The, the training, the duration, the, the difficulty, the austerity. Um, it's just, you know, it's not suited if for, for people who want a family. So if you want a family, you, you know, anyway, they kind of banged on about this. And so Mary, she was really upset. She was considering giving up um, uh, pursuing surgery, as were some of the other wow. some of the other uh, women who were in the special interest group. Right? And and Fiona, apparently she's a bit of a feisty woman. <laughs> she wasn't too happy about this because she's got six kids. And so she rang the dean of the university and said, hey, I just want to speak to this special interest group on surgery. And uh, he said, oh, yeah, that's great. So she goes in. You know, there's a room full of people, you know, men, women. And she says, hi there. I'm Fiona Wood. I'm a surgeon. So is my husband. And we have six children. So you need to understand, unless you're prepared to have six children, you're not going to be able to consider a career in surgery. <laughs> and apparently, yeah, a whole bunch of people go harumphing and some people started to walk out. And she said, and then really? she stopped them. Yeah. And then she stopped <laughs> them and said, hang on. Last week, two people stood here and said, that uh, if you're a female, you shouldn't consider a career in surgery if you if you want to have a family because it's just not suited. And so I'm here standing in front of you saying, I got six kids. I'm a surgeon. My husband's a surgeon, and yet you don't believe me. So um, be careful what up uh, what opinions other people foist on you because it right. might have a big impact. Yeah. And uh, so you know, I saw that little story which Mara found actually, which was very very handy. Um, uh, great little anecdote about just some of the well there's a whole bunch of different things but particularly around the fact that people have views and they you know, opinions and they transmit them as facts yeah isn't there i can't remember the psychological bias but there's one where if someone's an expert in topic a right but they give their opinion on topic b which they're not an expert in people will believe them on topic b yeah, and this is sort of one of those examples of a surgeon. You know, obviously, clearly good at you know doing surgery, but now they're pontificating on the whether you know women can actually take a particular career path. Um, and I suspect there weren't two women surgeons who were standing up there giving that opinion. Yeah, no, it was a, no two guys. One, no, 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 it was a, oh. a, a guy and a, a man and guy a woman. and a gal. Oh, yeah, well, so well, there you go. It's it's not like it was just just a guy up there pontificating on this, right? Um, okay, it didn't, but it didn't. But, and I guess this is the point, right? It, it it didn't make their opinion right. No, no, that's what I mean exactly. So, I've actually seen, I've heard this, you know, this pattern. I've seen this pattern in another place in a big construction company where. There's sort of two main roles in the business, you know, sort of at a corporate level. One is to be a project manager and the other one is to be an internal designer. And it was the same thing. If so, if a woman wanted to pursue the project manager role, she was suggested that it would be better to be an internal designer. Oh. Same sort of thing, same sort of yeah. attitude, um, which is just absolutely hocus. Um, yeah. Cool. Okay. So let's let's talk about this um, this story. Um, when you tell it, I mean, uh, what are the bits that you particularly like? Oh, I I, I really like the fact that um, she called up the dean and said, "I'd like to have a word." It just strikes me as a woman of action. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, look, I, you look at her career, and of course she's a woman of action, but Good, uh, get things done. Yeah. I think the other thing that stood out for me was just that uh, sort of delicious use of irony, you know, <laughs> stand yes. up there. Well, if you, you know, if you want to have uh, this career, you need to have six children. I don't think it, people were getting it. Uh, no, the I ones who they, got it they were walking out, you know, walking yeah. out the door. Um, I think that's good. The, yeah. yeah, I think the other thing too is, um, you know, there's not a lot of visuals in that story, but at the same time, I can see her standing there. I can see the the audience. I can get a sense of this little special interest group. Uh, yeah. So all those things, you know, make yeah, and look, seem to work. The the, the story came from an. Uh, uh, a, a transcription of an interview that she'd given. So those details weren't in it. And I was reluctant to embellish, you know, like to kind of embellish. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I don't, uh, one of the things that would have made it better is if I knew her son, what, what was her son's name and, and uh, what was his, his partner's, partner's name. Yeah. And because it just makes referring to them. Uh, yeah. So it, just using Mary as the, yeah, we'll so call he, Mary. this is a little detail, right? Um, I think, I mean, Mary is not a common name for women of that age now. Do you know what I mean? A Mary, to me, a Mary is probably someone in her 60s or 70s. I don't know. What do you think? Is it, I mean, in, in coming up with names, I'm just wondering whether there's there's different generations of names, aren't there? I don't know. Uh, what, definitely, yeah. I and, don't know what they'd be aware of what they would be exactly, yeah. but it was something to be thinking about in in doing that replacement. Yeah, it's actually a missed opportunity for me because I have a list of of uh, non gender specific names, a, a long list. Right. Maybe there must be at least sixty or seventy names on that list, and I could have just picked any one of them. <laughs> you know, but no, no, I just <laughs> went for Mary. Went, just went, went with Mary. Yeah. Um. Um. Yeah, I mean that would—that's the only little thing I was th that sort of struck me as I was listening to the story as to something you could make a a little bit better. Um, yeah. I think it was a good story. I I like particularly that ironic element and and the sort of and the message that she had. Um, it kind of reminded me. There's another um, effect, if you you might call it. It's called the Gelman amnesia effect. Have you ever heard of this? The Gelman no, amnesia I haven't. effect. Well, Gell Mann was a scientist, actually a complexity scientist at, I think he was at uh, Santa Fe Institute. Um, and he made the observation that as an expert, as you're reading the paper, for example, you might read an article, in his case, on, in physics, and he'll be looking at the articles going, well, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's rubbish, what a load of bullshit that is. Like, as he's reading the article, he, he can tear it to shreds, right? Right, because he's an he, expert. Because he's an expert. And then he turns the page, and now he's looking at international politics. And immediately, he's going, oh, really? Is that what happened? Oh, oh that's in Everything is now taken in with no concern that it might be as much BS as the article he's just read on physics, yep. right? Yep. And uh, so he called that the, the amnesia effect, and someone plonked his name on the front of it. Um, but I think in some ways, you know, there's all sorts of weird things just because it's coming from a certain person, just because, um, what would you say, the, you know, if, if those, 
if the people in the audience were experts in, you know, gender bias, for example, they'd be sitting there going, well, no, this is oh, rubbish. That's, no, that's not right. Yeah. But because they're not and they're getting something else, they're going, oh, these guys must know, you know. So I think that's interesting. Yeah. Um, business points on this. What do you reckon uh, uh, you well, think the, the big business points are? Well, I, I, there's Fiona, Fiona Wood makes a couple of clear business points as she's talking through it. And one of them is about uh, being really careful that we don't, we, you know, experts, uh, you know, adults, we don't push our biases or beliefs onto the younger generation. Right. And so that's one of the business points. Yeah. Um, the other one is around uh, opinions versus fact. And so uh, she said, uh, you might, they might have their opinion, but that's what it is. But does it make it fact? Hmm. Mm. I don't think so. Right. So that I think that's an important business usage of that because we meet this all the time. Oh, well, I think this, and everybody knows that, and and all you're getting is somebody's strongly held belief asserted forcibly. Yeah. yeah. Sounds like fact, but it doesn't make it fact. So. Yeah. Anyway, I think that that for me is a you know like a good business point for this one. What yes. about what about for you? Yeah, I think it's for me. It's like don't don't believe everything you're told, you know. Yeah. But I think that the the bias, the one, is a good one. Um, I like this idea of how do you how do you build language in such a way that you get a better indicator of what people really know. Like, what do they like? Instead of saying, "I think it is this," this is to hear people. I guess prevaricate a little bit and sort of say, "Well, you know, look, it's my understanding that." Unfortunately, and the research shows that anyone who talks in a more balanced way um, is not as interesting and as believable as someone who says things in emphatic ways. Yeah, yeah. Right? And we love confidence. We love confidence. We don't yeah. want that extra baggage, those weasel words or anything like that. We want someone who stands up. and, and But unfortunately, they can stand up and be just total... Total wrong. I mean, yeah, you know, Gordon, I'm not even sure I should say this, but you know, no, I'd <laughs> say it. Trump, right? He <laughs> just says everything, you know, with total confidence, and and even if it's complete and utter garbage, which a fair bit of it is, people believe it because it's stated with such such absolute confidence. Yeah, and and we just we just we just eat it up. Well, yeah. you know, people many people do. just eat it yeah. up. So yeah, we yeah that that thing about uh, stating opinions confidently and forcibly, um, yeah, it it can lead can go horribly wrong, can horribly wrong. Yeah. Okay. So. We should give it a. Give it a score, right? Yeah, I just just what a surprise. Just one more business point. Oh, okay. Right. What is it? Just one more. Um, just picking up on the what you said about you know people having different views and being being careful who you listen to. Right. All right. So be careful who you listen to. Be careful who you choose to be your role role models. Yes. Yeah. That is that is so true. I was just. Yeah. It just reminded me of something, actually. Uh, do you remember um, there was the 
the Westboro Baptist Church in the US. Oh, not not what no, it it definitely it still is, yeah. Yeah, right. So Louis Thoreau did a a documentary and and this this church really had hardline views of you know what the Bible means and and in the end they would they get to a point where they really believed really believed things like you know uh, homosexuals are evil and they would you know or people who are in the military were evil they should die you know and all sorts of weird stuff right and one of the it's a family the whole group is one family right an extended family and uh, one of those family members uh, a woman called Megan uh, Phelps Roper uh, was was t- enticed out of the church and if you like converted of someone who's and so when she left she was really concerned that she really believed what she was taught there she thought it was really true and now she wanted to protect herself from falling into another uh, trap line. yeah how do, how do i avoid this uh happening again so she came up with a few, i won't go through all the questions but i'll give you the first three she came up with a list of about uh maybe six or seven questions I'll put the questions in the um, in the comment section of the, this podcast. But the first question she said she has to ask herself is, are you capable of entertaining real doubt about your beliefs or are you operating just from a position of certainty? So that's the first question. Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah. yeah. Second, can you articulate the evidence you would need to see to change your position? Or is your perspective unfalsifiable, right? And then the third one is, can you articulate your opponent's perspective in a way that they would recognize it? Or are you just merely strawmanning, you know, the perspective? Anyway, she, she comes up with these really good tests of whether you're being sucked into some weird rabbit hole um, and, you know, you're starting to believe things, which, like, Fiona Wood doesn't really get linked up with the facts, right? So, very interesting. What a surprise! What I should we should have a little sign somewhere in the, or a little like dong, in the in the in the podcast. Yep. Warning: rabbit hole approaching. <laughs> that's <laughs> right. Been, no, don't get me wrong. That, that's a that's a that's a fascinating and valuable um, uh, concept because uh, understanding the questions you can ask to test whether you're holding a belief unreasonably or not. Yes. Uh, that's that's gold. Yeah, it is. It is. Well, we should get to a score, mate. Okay. Um, so I, I, I love this uh, story. I, I'm giving this an 8 out of 10. I'm, I'm keen. I'm actually just biting at the bit to actually go and tell this story, probably at a family uh, uh, dinner, I think. Uh, okay. It'll go down very well with my yep. family. They're all women. Um, and uh, so, yeah, that'll be a beauty. Okay, that's. A what, good do one. what do you think? What do you think? Uh, seven out of ten for me. Seven. Seven out of ten. Middle of the road for you. Yep. <laughs> okay, fantastic. Well, everyone, thank you very much for listening in to our episode, and yeah, we'll be uh, yeah we'll be back soon to for another episode of how to put your stories to work. So bye for now. Look, I stuffed that up totally, by the way, but let's just say (laughs) bye for now. Bye for now.
Anecdotally Speaking was engineered by Dave Stokes from author to audio.